It is The Difference, a weekly podcast with me, Dan O'Donnell, talk radio host extraordinaire and the extraordinary president and CEO of Annex Wealth Management, Dave Spano. And, Ex- extraordinary. Uh, extraordinary. Yeah, you are, <laughs> you are no ordinary president and CEO, good sir. Uh, and... This week, Dave, we're, we're talking about the extraordinary impact of the Inflation Reduction Act, which has now passed the House after passing the Senate following that deal announced by West Virginia's Joe Manchin. The extraordinary thing about the Inflation Reduction Act is that it doesn't actually reduce inflation at all, or at least so says the Congressional Budget Office, which scored it and said, yeah, you know what? Inflation might actually go up after this thing is enacted. Yeah, that's certainly a misnomer, and that was part of the, the gamemanship, I'm sure, to push it through the House and, of course, get the Senate on board as well before they see it. But, yeah, that's right. It's it's a misnomer, and, and it's been independently scored and shows that it doesn't make much of a difference. But that doesn't mean there's not a lot in the bill. There is a lot of in the bill that we need to pay attention to. Number one, of course, is a whole lot of money to towards the green energy section. And if uh, you know, if, and if you want to invest in that sector, there are certainly companies that are going to be beneficiaries of that uh, capital influxion. And so that's number one. Number two, uh, you know, in, in no one's favorite topic, eighty-seven thousand new IRS agents. Thank you very much for that. And number three, of course, is uh, really what's going to happen uh, with, the, with the taxes in general. And, you know, there was something I saw, Dan, which really, uh, really got my attention this past weekend. And it showed that as a percentage of revenue, of tax revenue, to GDP, so in the, the percentage, over 20% of our GDP, now comes from tax revenue. And you have to go back all the way to post-World War II to see a number like that. So the argument that we don't have enough revenue or that uh, people aren't paying their fair share certainly uh, does not come out in that statistic. No, it doesn't. And this is why it just... It strikes me as the heart of stupidity to raise taxes in an inflationary environment. I know we had a jobs blowout in the last month, but we are technically in a recession, even though the Democratic Party and the the White House has been feverishly, feverishly pushing back against the idea that two consecutive quarters of negative growth is a recession. Incidentally, incidentally, Dave. You're a finance guy. Two consecutive quarters, negative growth. It's always been the definition of a recession, right? Yeah, has always. Has always been that way. But, you know, even Wikipedia has got their definition (laughs) changed already. And, you know, economists, if you want to be dispassionate about it, I've listened to both sides. And the economists are saying that they've never seen a recession with employment at three and a half percent. And that's what they're that's what they're hanging their head on. So but you, you do see high employment. But we also have higher taxes. As you mentioned, 87,000 new IRS employees. And they say, well, they're only going to go after billionaires. There are about 1,000 billionaires in the United States. You're telling me there are going to be 87 new agents keeping an eye on every billionaire in the United States. I find that very difficult to believe. They're going to go. They have to go down. They have to go downhill. They have to. I mean, that's just really what it's going to be. It's going to be small business owners. And those, you know, they're going to go where the money is, of course course. And if that means it's not just billionaires. So you're seeing a higher corporate tax rate. You're seeing everyone pretty much in every income bracket is going to be paying more in federal taxes. And you're going to see more costs associated with IRS audits. 
on top of the fact that we're already in a labor shortage, yes, I know there was a huge job number, but small businesses especially are really struggling to find employees. We're still seeing that sort of skills gap. And a lot of the jobs report, I will remind you, was people taking on a second job because everything costs more. So in an inflationary environment, Dave, it seems like the heart, the height of stupidity to increase the cost of doing business, increase the cost of dealing with the federal government. And don't just take my word for it. Both Barack Obama, former president, and Joe Manchin, who is the linchpin of this deal, the West Virginia senator, said so over the last decade and a half. You don't raise taxes in a recession or in an inflationary environment. Yeah, it's all about politics, of course, because we know that uh, when the president has his first midterm, whoever the sitting president is, has his first midterm election, they generally give up seats in the House. And with a president with uh, an extraordinarily low uh, approval rating, they're probably going to give up a lot of seats. And so the House sees this as their last chance to try to get something through, even though it was watered down from where they wanted it. So they don't care about that, Dan. It's really about the politics of trying to push through some of their their green energy bill. And that's just the reality of it. And so, you know, what what does that mean? It means, of course, you have to pay attention to it. when there's cap being flowed to certain sectors, you know, should you take advantage of that? And really, are we in a recession? And here's the other argument that's being changed right now, bull market or bear market rally. So from the bottom to a top, right? That's the definition of a bull market of 20%. And inversely, from 20% peak to uh, peak to trough, 20% down is a bear market. Well, NASDAQ is now in a 20% rally, the S&P 500 is up 15% from its bottom. So is this a bear market rally or a bull market? All of this is very confusing to individual investors, which is the reason why you have to do so many things, Dan, which is asset allocate and keep your finger on the trigger and make sure you're paying attention to the news and certainly listen to Dan O'Donnell because <laughs> it's so thoughtful. Well, thank you, sir. You also need to, since you're plugging me, I'll, I'll plug you. You also need a free wealth metric. It's a review of your portfolio so that you know what you own and just as importantly, why you own it. You head over to AnnexWealth.com. It's quick. It's easy. Did I mention it's free? Uh, I would highly recommend it. And it's interesting you bring that up because there's a fascinating article in Bloomberg today. And it's by Denitska Tsakova. Every Wall Street trend goes haywire as stock bears are crushed. Stock bears are suddenly getting crushed, she writes. Once dependable momentum trades are misfiring, inflation-lashed bonds are bouncing back. After another expectations-busting week on Wall Street, sharp market reversals are baffling real money veterans, retail speculators, and quants alike. Big data surprises, including a blockbuster jobs report and a softer-than-expected July consumer price reading, have caught a heavily hedged investor base off guard as the S&P 500 index enjoys a nearly 17% rally from the June bear market low. Economic angst and speculation that price pressures are peaking have helped global bonds climb almost 4% from their mid-June nadir, while once hot stock shorts are backfiring. Put another way, every investing trend that defined the wild first half is staging a messy reversal in the latest twist of this exhausting year. That from Bloomberg. What do you make of that, Dave? 
Yeah, I think they're that's I think they're right on. And all of that this is what I would say is is when so many people are on one side of the room, that is always a cautionary tale. And so so many people were so bearish and there were so many you know, the bearish indicator was so high that that is really when you get your shorts handed to you. And so what's we were seeing a rally now and you get this this Tina, there is no alternative and fear of missing out. Uh, is running. And so all this money is coming back into the market. But the key to that whole article was the fact that is inflation peaking? That is really the argument. And if it is peaking, what does the Federal Reserve do? So between now and September, you're going to have September uh, rate raise, you're going to have Jackson Hole. And so a lot of information coming out of Jackson Hole and then followed, Dan, by a rate raise. Will it be 50 basis points? Will it be 75 basis points? We're going to have to wait and see. But the argument that we're hearing out of Wall Street is, will there be a pivot? And that is really, that's the concerning part. Why would the Fed pivot away and start lowering rates when so much of inflation is structural, right? Wage inflation is structural. Rent is structural. And so, yes, there are certain things that go up and down, energy costs, food costs, and those are more fluid and they may peak, but that doesn't mean we're going back down to the 2% number that the Fed wants. So it doesn't sound like you think inflation is actually peaking. Well, I, I think it. I think it's peaking, but it's certainly not going to go back to their target. And the Fed's not going to stop raising rates until they get somewhere a more to a more neutral rate. Until inflation comes down and the short-term interest rate at least are near each other in the same ballpark, they're not going to stop raising rates, and they can't because this is this is hurtful to. And we've talked about this. This is really hurtful to uh, the fifty percent of Americans. Americans who are living paycheck to paycheck, they are getting crushed by higher inflation. So they have to tamp down inflation. And if it means to take the economy into recession, I think the Fed will do that. And so they're going to have to pay attention to, is it a slowing down? Is it a soft landing, as they like to say? It's very hard for them to do that, the Federal Reserve, I should say. And so watch that and see what what they do. If they actually stop raising rates, is it going to be 75 basis points in September? And then they stop because they say they're and they're an apolitical organization. But the next rate raise would be right before the election. Yeah. And, and are they going to do that again? That's that's the question. The other question is that we assume that the worst of a recession is right now. But as you say, the only real way out of a, an inflationary environment is through essentially putting the country into a recession. Right. So instead, and, and, and let, me just, let me just add, Dan, the fact that all of these rate raises, I didn't mean to cut you off there, but all of these rate raises are lagging, right? right. Are lagging. Right. So they haven't even kicked in yet. Exactly. Now, you also kick in another 700 plus billion dollars in government spending when it's widely considered that the thing that really kicked off inflation here in the United States was the 1.9 trillion dollar stimulus so you're spending more money you're injecting more money into the system you're spending far more on government and you're also as we said increasing the cost of doing business with government increasing the cost of government compliance don't you think that will cause further price hikes and exacerbate inflation? I mean, it just seems to me like a no-brainer, yet we're told, no, 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 more government spending doesn't mean higher inflation. Well, we just saw in April of 2021 that it 
did, right? Yep. Am I missing right. something here? No, no there's, there's two ma- major things. So is it going to be inflation for longer, right? Because it's structural in its natures. So we, you know, we may not get back down to two, and it may not be, be more than nine, but it's going to be higher for longer. That's number one. And then the most important question for investors is we've had what's been called QE, quantitative easing. And that is really where the Federal Reserve does so many things. They increase their balance sheet. They keep interest rates uh, unnaturally low. We've now moved away from quantitative easing, which is why, by the way, quantitative easing is good for, st- for stock prices and, and risk assets like real estate. Now we've moved into quantitative tightening. And quantitative tightening, you would think, theoretically, would not be good for risk assets. And so that is the most uh, significant part of this conversation because everyone has bought the dip and mm-hmm. thinks that everything is a V recovery, and that's not always the case. And so it may take a while for us to recover. Does that sort of speak to the the general trend or the, the general stock strategy? You know, Buffett... What what was his thing that that people don't have the patience to invest? You need to be an uncommon investor in a world of common investors. And that is to sort of wait it out, to play the long game, essentially. You you can't be, you know – I don't want to say don't day trade, but no, no. But I think you have to buy companies for the long term. Find really quality companies, and there is a ton of them right now that have are trading at very low price to earnings, like sub ten, which is which is lower than the long term averages. Are paying dividends are really quality companies that can increase prices and protect uh, their income statements. That's where you need to look. If you know, if you don't know where to find to do that, if you're doing this yourself, uh, you should you should employ uh, somebody who uh, who can help you do that. That's that's the most important is right now is know what you own, why you own it, and how much you're paying for it. Yeah, and that's again why we say you go to AnnexWealth.com, you get the free wealth metric, you have someone like Dave or an expert on his team work with you, they work for you as a only fiduciary. These are the people who can guide you through times of uncertainty, and that's what we're in right now. I mean, even Bloomberg is noticing that every single investment trend is sort of being turned on its head right now because we have got just unprecedented things happening, and we will be here each and every week to talk about them. For Dave Spano, the president and CEO of Annex Wealth Management, I'm Dan O'Donnell saying thank you so much for listening to this week's edition of The Difference. Annex Wealth Management is a registered investment advisor. For more information about our firm, please visit AnnexWealth.com. The information in this podcast is for educational and entertainment purposes only and is subject to change without notice. Opinions expressed are those of the participants and don't necessarily reflect those of Annex Wealth Management, its producers, hosts, or guests. The host of the podcast is compensated for his endorsement of Annex Wealth Management. Information presented should not be construed as tax, legal, or investment advice, or a recommendation or solicitation for the sale of any product or strategy. Listeners are encouraged to seek advice from qualified professionals to determine whether any information presented may be suitable for their specific situation. Investments involve risks. Neither Annex Wealth Management nor its podcast participants shall be liable for losses resulting from decisions based on information or viewpoints presented on this podcast.